Good morning, campers. We've made it. <laughs> well, most of us. It's the last day of camp, and I'm considering this year a huge success. Yes, we may have had a few ghosts and psychotic supernatural serial killers. And that incident with the Swedish death cult, and we never did find out what happened to Jessica. Oh, but you know what, campers? I think we did just fine. Archery class went well. You know, come to think of it, all of the weapons classes were very popular this year. And for good reason. Survival skills, campers. That's what we do best here at Camp Wanaslaya. We survive. And we thrive. God, again? Did someone let Nicholas out of his cage? His parents are not here to pick him up yet. Damn it, and we were so close to zero incidents today. Oh well, please don't forget to clean out your bunks before you leave. And of course, stay reasonably normal and stay alive. See you next season. What's up, peoples? Welcome to Bunk 237, ah, horror movie podcast, the imaginary summer camp we inhabit, where we fight ghosts and lake monsters and talk horror movies. I'm a host, Tuit Nguyen, Tuit Nguyen. What's up? And I am also a host, <laughs> Robin Zlotnick. It's me. Um, and our guest today, guys, very special. Uh, it's Miles and Dave. You know Miles and Dave from the Heat Seeking Panther podcast, the internet's foremost dive into the life and filmography of Nicolas Cage. What's up, Miles and Dave? Thank you for being here. What's Thanks up? for having us, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. This is great. Uh, we don't do too many of these crossovers. Uh, Not enough. Not enough so. people are inviting us onto their podcasts. So. I wonder why. It's almost like we have one specific <laughs> really like, niche thing. <laughs> that no one else can adapt to. So I don't know. Luckily, our two topics do meld on yes. several yeah. occasions. Now, today is a special episode. And the exact reason that you, our Nicolas Cage scholars, are here. One, it's the season finale first. Uh, we'll be taking a brief break after this and we'll be back for season three eventually. Um, Gotta go out with a, a bang. Yes, and that bang is the man, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> uh, and so today we are talking about representation, specifically the representation of Nicholas Cage in horror movies. <laughs> we are living in the golden cage, the cage age. This is the cage gauge. I have a lot more it. puns, <laughs> so many more puns. Don't even worry about it. Uh, so we came to you guys and asked you guys to come up with your top three Nicolas Cage horror movies. And we're going to go through them. We're going to blow through this. Awarding badges as we go. Are you guys ready to feel the cage? Let's do it. We've been ready Always. for years. This is this is going on <laughs> five years we've been ready to do yeah. this. First of come all, yeah, thank you for calling us scholars because I, that really is our approach. You know, we, we try to do our homework and our, our research, and that's why we are the only Nicolas Cage podcast that you need to know about. Don't look for other ones. They don't exist. How many Nicolas Cage movies have you seen? 
um, a hundred. It's, it's got to be like pushing a hundred, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, how many does he have? And then we're about seven or eight from the finish line at this oh, point. Oh, wow. So that many. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen a number of them more than once. I mean, some of the really good ones, like Adaptation or Raising Arizona, I've seen like four or five times. So I have watched a lot of Cage. Yeah, we've been doing this since like 2016. I yeah, think. actually, um, all, it was the August of 2016, so it's like crazy. five years almost exactly. Wow. How did yeah. you guys realize that you were both like cage fanatics? Uh, <laughs> well, Dave, you came to me with the idea, I, so you, yeah, I, I had started like a WordPress, I think, like a, a blog, like or something, <laughs> uh, probably like 10 years ago, trying to do the same thing, and I don't know, I fell off of it, but I just thought it was, I mean. I really just wanted to go on the personal journey anyway of like, cause there's just, it, it, the filmography of Nicolas Cage is about as rich a text on like the, uh, I don't know, filmmaking over the last like few decades as you could ask for. He's worked with pretty much everyone great and he gives really bizarre performances. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are less so, but um, it's just like, I don't know. It, it had just been sort of haunting me. And, and I also re- like, everyone wants to talk about him like he's like a meme, but I truly believe that uh, he's one of the most interesting actors of his generation. And so, oh, he's you know. 100% my my favorite actor. I wouldn't have said yeah. that before this, before I started doing the podcast. I always really like thought he was great, but honestly, he's the best actor ever. And I do agree that, I, I mean, you think about like last, you know, 25, 30 years. I mean, he's like top five best in the business i think yeah but i think so too yeah the, who's his peer who are his peers keanu i guess but like even like who can pull out the kinds of uh performances that he does regularly right and you never know what kind of performance he's gonna give it's you know helen mirren who <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry meryl what meryl who <laughs> uh anyway what what were we talking about <laughs> nicholas cage we have never oh, yeah. we haven't deviated in we have any not way straight from the top <laughs> <laughs> um, so i mean well so let's get into oh, yeah. it we i mean Please. so we asked you guys again to give us your top three nikki cage horror films um mm-hmm. and your number three pick was between worlds a 2018 possession story about a man mourning his dead wife and daughter naturally who through a really quick moving encounter with a spiritual medium played by Franca Patenti is given what he thinks is a second chance when the spirit of his dead wife takes over the body of a young woman. And guess what? Possession never ends well. <laughs> it doesn't. In this case, it doesn't begin well or go well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much like a uh, hundred minutes of not going well. <laughs> right, right. I do have a question for you guys because I know that in the world there are at least four Nicolas Cage horror movies. So <laughs> why did this one make yes. the list? Yeah, so, why, why number three on this one? So it's this such is such a good question. Yeah, and I would consider it actually, I said this in my disclaimer to your producer, uh, Shane, when he emailed us. I was like, I don't know if this one is really a horror movie strictly, but it is definitely creepy. And I think yes. the tone, tonally, it kind of pushes it into some uncomfortable territory. Uh, but mainly because it's, uh, we could have gone with something like Wicker Man, which is Yeah, a Wicker Man's the obvious one. 
But like we wanted to kind of focus on ones that hadn't been talked to death and maybe a lot of people didn't know about. And this was one of them that we... I would encourage anyone after this to go listen to our episode about it because it's 90 minutes and it's uh, there's a lot in there. But this movie uh, hits the Venn diagram for us of just... Um, it's it's like a cult thing that not a lot of people knew about. It flew under the radar, but it also continues to fly. If yeah. people still don't, this is from 2018, and people don't know about it really. But also, we think Cage's performance in this movie specifically is like uh, unparalleled. I think it is. Yeah. He is off the hinges in this in a way that he like only like rarely hits for a scene or two in some other movies. But he is just. He is just pedal to the metal of this entire fucking movie. Yeah, and, I would agree with that. And the story, <laughs> I, but like also the script, the direction, like who, wh- why, like what, why? <laughs> Those are my questions. Because <laughs> like uh, they're always stopping us on the street and asking us, <laughs> uh, like you know, about like weird Nick Cage movies that they maybe haven't seen, and his films for the last like 10 years or so like miles was saying he's like phones in a lot of kind of sleepy performances but like yeah this one really hits all the marks of like he is going for something really bizarre um the movie itself is going for something really bizarre and like it it make it like fails in pretty much every way but a lot of the choices (laughs) it makes are like why what why like you said yeah (laughs) Yeah, because it it fails in the most interesting of ways like sometimes when movies fail it's just boring or bad and it's like ugh. but when this one this one misses every mark but where it lands is just (laughs) like chef's kiss every time it's you can't make this movie on purpose you couldn't do it right right but you know people talk about the wicker man a lot and i'm not as big a fan of that movie as a lot of people like i don't i feel like that's the moment when cage really became like memefied and people were like this guy's crazy the bees and everything but like that that movie to me for all of its like the bizarre choices that it makes like it's kind of a a slog to watch maybe it's all the like uh misogyny or like just i don't know it's just like not as fun but this one this one really deserves some eyes on it because like it's really really meta at points and no one can do what he does in this one i don't think no one could try I did like this movie. However, I do not know why. Like, I cannot, usually it's like pretty, uh, I feel like it's usually pretty good for me to express like why I do or don't like a film. But this one was like, there's no reason why I should like this film. But I do like, I like, I like Franca in it. I like Nicolas Cage in it. Um, and uh, my my badge for this film, I wanted I wanted to award it the minimum wage cage badge for <laughs> this sort of this base level kind of portrayal of like a blue collar working class South. You know, he's like this truck driver. He has the tattoos and there's motorcycles yeah. and there's yeah, he's the a head, dirt bag. Yeah, there's the head shop like tapestries, you know, yeah. um, which I think is just hilarious to have like beautiful Franco Patente <laughs> in this movie as this sort of like, uh, you know, as an as like a European immigrant that landed in the South as a truck driver. Like, yeah. It's odd, but odd. it makes sense <laughs> even as even as the story is kind of like befuddling because also like as a as a sort of spiritual medium, 
I don't understand her power. Like she, well, <laughs> it's so she undefined. Is, it doesn't make sense, but she doesn't understand it either. Right, <laughs> which kind of makes it okay. <laughs> to yet, yeah, when you read the uh, synopsis, the thing that that failed to leave out was that the uh, body who uh, Nick Cage's dead wife spirit comes back and inhabits is. Franca Patente's daughter. daughter. It's her so, daughter. So the so his girlfriend's daughter is like possessed yeah. by his dead wife, which <laughs> makes fucked. it all. Which I mean, as if the premise already wasn't like, head spinning <laughs> enough. You got to add that element to it. It's just unreal. And then, like toward in the last like 30, 40 minutes of the movie, like you realize that his wife was clinically insane oh yes right. yeah <laughs> she's a bad just person just completely she is. like horrible what a twist in every way she was the murderer she was mean she was but, mean. Uh, but i also didn't understand how she knew things about the daughter like there was that whole scene where she's like recounting the night that the that franca's husband left and i was like you're not the daughter how do you know this <laughs> Such a good question. <laughs> there were no rules. She seemed to yes. know everything about the daughter, but also be his wife. Well, I, I think like you said, like the fact that Franca Patente's character kind of also doesn't know how her powers work and like know it, it like keeps it in this weird kind of like surreal, like dream state. And I don't think that's, I don't know how intentional that is. Right. But, like, I think that's part of what makes it kind of charming is that, like, this is like an auteur movie, like, with all the good and bad things of an auteur. Like, there's a vision behind it. And a lot of the stuff that we watch, there's a true, like, there, there's a sense of, like, why was this made? Not because, like, this movie was like, why would you make this? This is insane. But why would you make this? This is for nobody. This is boring. And so this movie is definitely not boring. It's, but it, it raises a lot of questions. Yeah. Who is this movie for? Who is this movie for? Presumably uh, for Cage's uh, bank account. I, I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is he puts so much into it in comparison. He, he's to, having like, a blast. Other, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And that being said, I would like to give the poet laureate badge oh, yes. um, oh, my to God. the scene where Nicholas Cage is like uh, banging his girlfriend in like eight different positions and reading from a book of poetry <laughs> written by Nicholas Cage. Like on the cover yes. of the book is says by Nicholas Cage. And it's true. He wrote it on set. That's incredible. I want you, I, uh, I paused because I saw that and I was like, there's no fucking way that says Nicholas Cage <laughs> on the front of that book. I like paused it and went back to like, just to be sure that yeah, of all the character. wild things in this movie, that is the most surreal moment. Yeah, and so it weird. also looks like they just a PA printed out the cover. Like they they had I to know. wrap a book on. They they like typed it in. It Word, was like, like that blue like script yeah. revision paper yeah. too. It looked like he made it in school and brought it home. Like oh, it's God. held together with like brads. Yeah. And like, <laughs> what weird like sex talk is that? Like, oh, it's crazy. That's I just mean, like, please it's read. pathological to be reading your own poetry to this woman like what it's just insane again i need this to be clear to anyone listening that the actor nicholas cage wrote the poetry <laughs> that his character reads in a book by the actor nicholas cage his character's <laughs> name is joe like he's a yeah. different guy he's not, yeah 
I wonder if the Nicolas Cage in that universe actually is just a famous poet. Like he, he's, <laughs> oh he's like the Robert Frost of the Between Worlds. I love that. <laughs> oh man. I want to give uh, the banana hammock badge to Cage in this movie because he's got some great scenes in his underwear. Am, yes. Or am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. This yeah. Is it. Yes, he is absolutely. Yes, and they call underwear. it out. She asks. She's like, "What are you wearing?" And he's like, "What? It's nice." <laughs> and, it's, and it's like extra tight. Yeah. Yeah. And it has flames on it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's. It, it definitely looks like it was purchased from like a hot topic or something. <laughs> it's a symbol of his uh, belief yeah. in individuality and personal freedom. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. yeah. I think again fits the whole aesthetic yeah. of the movie oh, yeah. for sure sort, sort of in the same vein I, w- I would like to give this movie the truck man badge because <laughs> he is he is such a truck driver and they he literally says the line a man without a truck isn't a man <laughs> which also is <laughs> which like is absurd does, does no Miles and I definitely that? took note of that yeah. you know, I, we, we didn't know but um, just, it's good I've been good told. information to I've have Have your dreams become reality? Okay, listen very carefully. Do not dream about giant monsters attacking the city. I repeat, do not dream about giant monsters attacking the city. Instead, head over to Apple Podcast and write a review for Punk 237, ah, horror movie podcast. We promise to not release giant monsters in cities. Probably me telling you to not dream about it is making you dream about it, but don't dream about giant monsters attacking the city. God damn it. Now, moving on to number two. Your number two pick was Vampire's Kiss from 1989. At the time, a box office flop, now a cult favorite, uh, it is, uh, it's set in the late 80s, and it's a mad, mad, mad world for Peter Lowe, a spineless and mean <laughs> literary agent in New York. He is a classically styled business suit, yuppie of the era, a playboy type who ends up bringing home the wrong woman, a.k.a. a vampire, or so we think. Uh, the film is a big question mark. It's the two questions. Is he turning into a vampire, or is he insane? Both? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What did you guys? What did you guys think of Vampire's had, Kiss? Had, had, had either of you seen this before? I had not seen this. I have not either. Great! I love that answer. I, I love, love that too. I love I, people coming in fresh to this movie. Yeah, same. Um, I I just want to listen. Yeah, what did what did y'all feel? Yeah. Well, what let me counter. Think? Have you guys seen Let's Hear Jessica to Death? No. No. Wait, uh, who that, is that from the seventies? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. We watched that recently. And Robin, did you notice that there was a similar theme of like someone kind of thinking they're turning into a vampire? Yeah. Or there being a question of, of what's ha- if what's happening is real or not. Yes, except it was sort of the opposite because Jessica is very sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Peter is not at all. <laughs> no, yeah, Peter is not sympathetic. And uh, it's very clear by the end of the movie that he is insane. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's kind of a proto-American psycho in in that respect, you know. It, it like, totally, is. it Absolutely. reminded me of that for sure. 
this this is another one um, that seems to come seems to come from the mind of like one writer director person, but at the same time seems un, it seems unbelievable while you're watching it that like anybody would tonally choose to like steer a movie in this direction because it's like the, <laughs> the whiplash that you get scene to scene in this thing is like really intense uh and i yeah. I, I mean is it ever really scary it, it's it, it, not really it's i mean well honestly the scariest thing about it is like how rapey he is like yeah. like yeah. i feel like you you do like it pushes the envelope in terms of like like it's not just a it's not a comedy and like those scenes between Peter and Alva like get increasingly like you know I mean I think honestly like the the fact that he's probably not turning into a vampire like they leave it I mean who knows he if he is or isn't he's definitely also just like an insane asshole and like um those scenes are are like unsettling but he's such a cartoon that the like the tonal friction of that I still find kind of exciting I this movie like this is one where he wanted to do a lot of crazy shit and they're saying yes to him and it's paying yeah. off in a way that like I'll, I'll give my badge for this movie because it kind of nicely transitions from that it's the ABCs of Nick Cage <laughs> badge <laughs> because Absolutely. it truly is like it checks everything every crazy thing that he ever does in any movie is in this movie and he also literally screams the entire alphabet <laughs> at one point <laughs> A to Z. I'm telling you, he's the greatest actor of our generation. No one else could engage you like that. And I that. think, at least for me personally, like this was the early, this is the youngest I've seen him like go to that level. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I mean, I'm sure there are other movies made before this, but this was like the couple, movie this is that the like one. truly yeah. he like was like balls to the wall the whole time. Yeah, th this one's definitely the first. Uh, the first film in his career where you get like the er text for the cage yeah. freak out. Uh, and he, and, and you can even tell it's sort of unrefined, you know, it's like, it's like listening to like a band's first record as compared yeah. to like their fourth or fifth, you know, it's like, right. it's exciting, like it's, it's dynamic, but, but it almost yeah. sounds like they, he, it almost sounds like he doesn't have it in control in a right. way mm -hmm. that he'll really like perfect and refine it later on. I, I mean, he, he really like, thinks of acting in a, a way like what it, what's the David Lynch quote he calls him like the jazz musician of acting yeah and it's true he uses it he thinks about like the the way he says lines the uh, like just the pitch and tone of his voice body movement and everything like he's thinking like a musician like using his body as an instrument and the idea of like performance kind of in quotes like like he's not afraid to just perform in a way that's not natural that his particular acting in this, I think is what is scary for me. Um, because uh, the portrayal of someone who is like getting manic and that unhinged, and especially towards women, and especially someone in a position of power and a position yeah. of authority, that is scary. Like you're saying, it's yeah. uncomfortable. Those scenes when he's being so mean uh, and just being just aggressively mean, but no one in the office is stopping him from like, yeah. yelling, you know? And and it's a significant portion of the movie too. Like yeah. I didn't realize it. I just rewatched it last Halloween season with my girlfriend because she'd never seen it, uh, and I had forgotten until I watched it again that it really it's like a 
him just being an, an actual like psycho uh, in his day-to-day life is the majority of the movie before the weird vampire stuff kind of picks up. But on that note, how crazy is it? I've never seen an actor in a vampire movie do this where he sleeps with the couch. He like closes the couch <laughs> oh, over so him good. like a coffin. I, right? I, I have a badge. I have a badge for that specifically. Uh, it is the da 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 bat cage badge. <laughs> uh, for Peter's excellent remodel of his apartment into a stealthy vampire lair. Uh, the, as you mentioned, the sort of upside down couch as the coffin is like the DIY upcycle of the decade. That is, I thought that was so fucking funny. Like I could it's not, so good. I thought it was so hilarious. The best. Oh, there's so much that's good. I, I love when he's trying to eat the pigeon. <laughs> and and his fucking, his fangs, the, the plastic fangs the plastic that he gets. plastic fangs. So I mean, good. yeah. I'm trying to think of a badge I can give him for that. Um, I don't know, but. Uh, American Dentist Association. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. It, <laughs> oh yeah. man, the, the like the gears in his manic brain that are putting this story together are incredible. But then, like once <laughs> mm-hmm. he gets back up to his apartment, he's fighting with his fictional wife. Oh yeah. Right. Well, and then also there's the whole part where the bat flies in and he tries to like uh, catch it or shoo it out of the window. It's like where does did that happen? Did that happen? Like, right, did right. he imagine that whole bat thing? And, and the fact that the bat looks so fake, like, only adds to the surrealism of it. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, like, like a... I it's, don't know. It's What's like a rubber re- Halloween decoration on a screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does eat a live cockroach in this movie, though. That yes. did actually happen. I took note of that because I was like, is that a vampire thing? I don't think so. No, I think Cage just wanted to eat. He, he wanted, wanted to, to like, it. push the limits and eat a yeah, fucking roach to... on screen. Well, well but doesn't that seem like a, like a Renfield thing, like, from Dracula? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Renfield right? eats, like, oh, okay. flies and stuff. Because yeah. Renfield, like, mm. eats okay. bugs okay. and stuff. It's sort of like the, the vampire's intern has to do that all the time. <laughs> the vampires in I would watch that movie. Just uh, would like to say that on top of the alphabet, um, this movie has another one of my favorite Cage line readings where he goes, "Am I getting through to you, Alva?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is like really just I I I crack up every time he does that line. <laughs> And on that note, let's move on through uh, your number one pick, which I don't want to speak for Robin, but I will for in this one instance. I think we agree with you 100,000 percent that this is the number one Nicolas Cage horror movie. And it's Mandy. The, of course. So of course. Good. So fucking good. The 2018 masterpiece is a hallucinatory revenge flick about a man mourning his dead wife. Again, naturally. Uh, and who goes on the most beautifully epic, bizarre, partially drug-induced rampage to track down and pay back the cult that killed his wife, Mandy. Sweet, soft, goth fairy of the woods, Mandy. <laughs> oh, Mandy. <laughs> I love this you movie came. so much. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. It's one of my Favorite horror movies, favorite movies, favorite Nicolas Cage movie. It is like across the board a movie that I absolutely love. 
yeah, this is pretty much you can't get better than than um, than this. I mean, this is like the ultimate cult midnight movie in my opinion. Like, this is like better than El Topo. This is better than you know, like uh, any of that shit. Uh, but I agree. Uh, I this is also one of those movies that's like hard to talk, hard to talk about, kind of because so much of it is experiential that sounds so pretentious no that's movie experiential true, i but, I'm, I'm supporting your pretentious statement yeah um but it is definitely a horror movie i think it's the only one on the list that we gave you that is 100 <laughs> percent like on the mark a horror movie absolutely <laughs> uh but it also for some reason to me is like so much more than that and yeah. i don't know if it's just yeah. oh, for sure you know it, like in the we can slight horror movies which i disagree with but there is some like people are horrorist in the sense that it's like can't be quote-unquote serious cinema necessarily but like right. i dare you to watch this movie and tell me that it's not a finely constructed work of art like it's perfect i want to give yes. the eric estrada from chips badge uh, for the joke that Cage, for the knock knock joke that Cage tells, which for my money is one of the funniest non sequiturs like I've ever heard. Uh, so so it, it just goes to yet knock knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada from Chips. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, anyway. Amazing. Uh, oh, amazing. Probably the only one on the list uh, that is maybe the most like straight forward horror movie i would say personally it's the least scary however uh because okay. it's yeah. for me it's such a joyous romp of a revenge <laughs> film you know i mean yeah. like uh you know the relationship between the two characters like their their beautiful relationship that is highlighted in very very small ways but you can tell how much how in love they are um, how like special and unique their love was in this time period of both of their lives and how and how painful that was to lose her. Um, the, the, the bathroom scene uh, when Nicolas Cage is just freaking out in his tidy whities in that in mm. the shirt. Okay. <laughs> yes. I have a special badge that I'd like to award. I have two badges for this movie. And one of them is the Memorial Nick Cage bathroom freakout badge because there is also a bathroom freakout in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> oh, right. oh my yes, God. Right. <laughs> and I was like, hold on, this is the scene for Mandy. <laughs> Whoa. He just loves the bathroom to go nuts in. Uh, I, when I saw that, I thought I my thought was sort of like, "Wow, did vampires kiss walk so that Mandy could run?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, you heard it here first. Oh, wow, <laughs> wow. Because you can see so the progression. True. I mean, honestly, even I kind of yeah. thought about like in a in a fictional world, sort of like if all these universes are connected, you know, uh, it, it, except for the fact that. Um, his character in Vampire's Kiss dies at the end of that movie. I guess all of his characters die at, at the end of every movie. But if they didn't die, oh, this damn. could be like the same person, right? Like sort yeah. of like <laughs> who just kept losing his wife. <laughs> no, I love it. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of yeah. like 
He had his like yuppie horrible time in New York City in the eighties. Moved out west, started logging. Yeah, <laughs> he moved. He moved to upstate New York. Became a real melancholy guy. <laughs> I have yeah. my badge for this movie is the Sweetie Pie Nick Cage badge oh. because as as often as he freaks out in a bathroom and kills people with chainsaws and you know is smiling sure, sure, covered sure. in blood in a car, <laughs> he is pretty subdued in this movie and Mm -hmm. like like legitimately gives a wonderful performance of being in love with this woman and their relationship is so beautiful and so sweet and so quiet in like such a different way and i just love it i just love it so much but it's still very nick cage somehow absolutely the most nick cage like it is so aggressively Nick Cage in the best way. Like my badge was the um, the Cage of Enlightenment badge because <laughs> he makes so so many movies, but this is one of the great ones. This is a great Nicolas Cage movie. It is a great Nicolas Cage performance, and it really shows. I think like when he's good, he's great, and I think he was cast in this role impeccably. And yeah, they they reached out to him first to be the uh, cult leader dude, and I, th- yeah. I think C- Cage wanted to play the straight role, and they had to age him up because in the script he was like a lot right. younger initially, and Cage was like, "I want to play Red," so they kind of retooled yeah. it a little bit. But uh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's great, and I think that this movie really proves that Cage is only as good as his director. Yeah. can kind of like rein him in. I don't want to say rein him in. Use him. Yeah, just use yeah, him. Yeah, use him. Yeah. Like kind of uh, give him, you know, you cast Cage because you know what Cage does and you want it, but you have to put some guardrails on it. And I think yeah. uh, it's a fine line to walk, especially with someone of Cage's caliber. You know, when you're a younger, maybe your first time director, you know, you might not feel as comfortable kind of, you know, taking that kind of like role with him, but I think when when a director really like knows how to how to direct Cage, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, it's like it's the the difference between uh, to yet a m- movie like you watched with us on on the episode that you were on. <laughs> <laughs> a score, a score where, to settle. Yeah, where oh, you just God. kind of you just kind of cast Cage because that's what'll get your movie made, and then you you just. Sh- put him in front of as many setups as possible and try to finish the movie. Like that is the worst case scenario. And that one is, is the still... best case scenario. Yeah. yeah. The score to settle, by the way, anyone listening is a terrible movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> Actually, you, you should listen you should to the episode that, yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, Tia yeah. guessed it on instead of watching you it. You should. You should <laughs> listen to that episode. I fucking hated that movie more than any other that we've watched. <laughs> it's, it's the worst in my opinion. And, and that is really saying something. But yeah, Miles is completely like i mean going back to david lynch's like jazz musician quote like it the same way like cage loves directors he can play off of and all three of these films like he had directors who were like using him at least and playing off of what he can do he just gets inspired on set and <laughs> to the degree that you could be like hey do you want to write a book of poetry and he, <laughs> he'll like sit down and write something about a golden cock or whatever um again i would love to see him do more theater like because he really is a theatrical actor and he loves to ad-lib and he loves to like just play off of everything around him so 
Steve, if he if he actually did that, we'd have to go to every performance. <laughs> <laughs> An episode for every live performance. Oh God. Well, yeah, I'll you see guys, you there. Yeah. Well, you guys mentioned this earlier. Well, Miles, you mentioned earlier that you guys are about what seven or eight Nicolas Cage movies from the end, or from well, from catching yeah. up to where he is now. But I guarantee that in the four months or whatever it takes us to get through those that he's going to have released yeah. one or two others. So <laughs> it is really a finish line that we like can never reach, yeah. but it's yeah, still like we're, th- three to four to five to eight mo- episodes a year, you know, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rate he's going. man in like 2018 or 2019, he put out like six or seven movies in one year. It's just like unreal. It's making your job harder. Unreal. Well, we will, until he retires or dies, we will be doing this podcast. I know. We were just talking about that. We're like, I guess this is just, this is an ongoing, you know, there is no end. Yeah. Um, the, the, I, I wonder if uh, it'll be like when, uh, you know, Prince died, but they say that there's still like, hundreds of albums that oh right yeah in the vault the, like yeah. yeah if nick cage dies are there gonna be like hundreds of movies in the vault just <laughs> increasingly bad performances and bad movies How, what will you guys do if you reach the end uh we've talked about a couple different things we want to keep it uh ad- cage adjacent i think uh yeah. there is there's ways to kind of um you know try to maybe get interviews with people that have worked uh, on his mm-hmm. shoots or or kind of try to like tap into the greater uh cage like uh tree like we did an episode on his son's uh instagram feed um, <laughs> yeah if we could interview weston that, <laughs> would, that would be yeah the, that would be the biggest get i mean besides cage himself like i i, I would love to talk to weston uh, but, but we've, you know, we, we've also talked about like what other, what other actors would be good to do like this kind of, this kind of run with, uh, someone that keeps coming up for some reason is Val Kilmer, even though like <laughs> oh, we decided yeah. that, yeah. that I think, I think by the time you hit the two thousands, it would get like really sad and, and yeah. kind of yeah. a bummer for yeah. the rest of it. And he also doesn't, mm. his range is nowhere near cages. So it would right. be a lot more boring, I think. But yeah. also Keanu, Keanu is another name that's Keanu come is up, a good which one. could Keanu be a good is one. A good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, he's been some iconic roles. He's worked with some great people, and like, but as a performer, he's so much more limited that, like, yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I, that's that's the direction I'm leaning with. I, oh, I also we talked about Willem Dafoe. Um, oh, that. Could I don't be know. Good. Yeah, but it it is funny. Like, really, nobody has a career arc like Cage's. Like, nobody has the same kinds of peaks and valleys in the the same way like it's it's a very weird thing and also i think no one this could just be you know because he's done a hundred movies or whatever but i i don't think anyone else's career dovetails as well with like the changing trends and tides in hollywood as cages has since he started so I think he it's really good because his career is kind of a microcosm of like what's happening, you know, in right. movie making in general. Um, yeah. So uh, did you guys have honorable mentions for this list that didn't? Oh, make we did. Oh my god! Yes. What else was on our list that we? Uh, oh yeah, Wicker Man, obviously. Oh, Pay the Ghost. Pay the Ghost, which is a 2015 movie where uh, he 
a ghost like steals his son and, or something and he has to like yeah. go get him back <laughs> yeah get his son back from the land of the dead but uh, uh yeah. that one is way more of like a uh, straightforward kind of b-movie horror uh it's not very good uh, it's not I wouldn't, scary I wouldn't it's recommend not very it. good yeah i think it's actually um, less scary than between worlds uh, even though yes. it's more of a horror Somehow. movie uh, yeah. And uh, also both Ghost Riders, while also not strictly horror <laughs> movies, there's some pretty freaky shit. I mean, he's comes from hell with a flaming skull. That's pretty mm-hmm. scary, I yeah. guess. Um, Spirit of Vengeance uh, I, is better than people think. It's, oh, that one is directed by the, the Crash or no, not what was the not Crash? What were those movies? Um, Crank. Crank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those guys. So it has some of that energy, which is fun. Um, I'd also like to give uh, a badge to this to the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance uh, <laughs> because Idris Elba has a cameo in this movie. Uh, oh my God. And so, so the badge I'm going to give it is the Spirit of Vengeance badge because <laughs> Idris Elba, when he says in the movie, when he says Spirit of Vengeance every time with that yeah. accent, it is the sexiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, now I have to watch. Yeah, I believe movie. that. I believe that for sure. Let that man yeah. talk to me. I'll let him say anything. I don't care. <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> uh, there's also. Um, Dave, what was the one with the with the with the uh, oh uh, season of the witch? Is oh God! One? Oh yeah! Yeah, uh, yeah. That's sort of sort of going for like a hammer horror thing, but it it doesn't work. Famously, at all. does not even feature a witch in it at all. No, there's it's no a witch. Demon. It's about demons. <laughs> <laughs> no seasons. It's just a one time. <laughs> uh, and I would like to give the uh, PS2 CGI badge to Season of the Witch because the, the yes. uh, protagonist, a flaming demon, is completely CGI. The whole climax is cage fighting CGI fire, basically. Awesome. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one's bad. Uh, oh, Mom and Dad. That's a one that is good enough that you should watch it, but not good enough that... You know, it's kind of it, it, it. It's got some good moments in it, and like the premise is kind of fun. Oh, I wanted to mention the ant bully as well, which is not a horror movie. This is a children's movie, but um, it, it's a CGI movie about ants, and uh, Nicolas Cage plays an ant wizard, <laughs> and, and they uh, there's a, a child who is messing with the ants, and the ant wizard shrinks him down while he's naked and they carry him away into their ant colony and teach him about being kind to each other and uh it's as disturbing as a horror movie. it's it's really the cgi in this movie or even the, i don't know i i think with a different tone and if it wasn't a kids movie this could easily be a horror movie like the the whole yeah. setup is just terrifying uh and Thanks for mentioning that, Dave. I'd forgotten about that fucking train wreck. I told you I would. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and telling us about every Nicolas Cage movie we ever want to know about. Yeah, uh, I would. I would encourage everyone to go listen to our podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. We have uh, ninety something episodes, uh, and we're gonna keep going. So yeah. If there's a cage movie you're curious about, but you don't actually want to watch it, 
<laughs> yes. We have spent an equal amount of time as the runtime of the movie talking about that movie. So just go listen to it. What, what a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but you can listen to us while you like drive to work or something and imagine the Nicolas Cage movie as if you were watching it and the just most clever and insightful people in the world were sitting there just yammering about it at you. <laughs> um yeah thank you guys so much for having both of us in the bunk and um it's it's been really lovely yeah absolutely again that is awesome thank you seeking panther find it wherever you find podcasts like however you found this podcast last question can you guys say goodbye in your best Nicolas cage voice Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) that was buffalo bill that was like a hundred percent buffalo bill (laughs) do you want to say goodbye to me Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Tiet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and introducing Alex Skoke as camp director Susan Check. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Alex Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237, and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.